We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies edtech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to the Transformative Principal Podcast, where we learn how to be an amazing educational leader. I am your host, Jethro Jones. Are you ready to be a transformative principal? I'm looking for about 10 people who are ready to do what it takes to lead with integrity, find balance, and take your school to the next level. If you're looking to improve your leadership in a measurable way, go to transformativeprincipal.org slash mastermind to see if you qualify to join a group of like-minded people who are ready to be the best principals in the country. Welcome to Transformative Principal. Today, I'm continuing my conversation with Tom, and he said something that was so profound in the second part of the interview. He says, when it gets tough, we will turn to each other when we have clarity of purpose. When we don't have clarity of purpose, we will turn on each other. That is so powerful, and I've seen that happen so many times. Take note of that. Pay attention. I hope you enjoy this interview with Tom Hirk. And I'd like to talk about interacting with challenging staff. I had an interview with Randy Sprick a few months ago about, uh, about the same topic, and I think that getting as much help as we can on that topic is really valuable. So how do you as a principal superintendent, what advice do you have for us in, in working with our teachers that are challenging because of personality or because of belief system or attitude? I mean, what is your advice for helping us out there? Yeah, no, and I, and I think you know you, you've hit on a couple of things right there. Um, one of the first things I always say to principals is this: realize this. You've never stopped being a teacher. Um, you just got bigger kids in your classroom, right? Uh, you know, you, you, your faculty ends up being your classroom, and um, by extension, you might see the same things you see in a typical classroom. You've got a whole bunch of different learning styles. Um, you know, you've got a whole bunch of different approaches. Uh, and so we've got to make sure that we're not letting our personal learning style as individuals be the only style we embrace, right? Um, you'll get to being a true collaborative culture, a true learning culture, when we can have um, collegial disagreement and dialogue. I think far too often people think collaboration means universal agreement. 
Uh, I can guarantee you this, if I come into any meeting and I see every educator in the room nodding their head in agreement, that people are leaving the room disagreeing. They've just realized it's easier to nod your head in a public meeting and get back to your room and do your own thing, right? So, you know, what's our expectations around that, first of all? Second of all, do we have, again, I'll go back to, you know, what what, uh, Ken Williams and I wrote in the book, Starting a Movement. Do we have clarity around our why, around our purpose? Because if we don't, it really gets hard then to follow up with the meatier conversations around what we're doing to differentiate and enrich, what we're doing around assessment practice, what we're doing to analyze the evidence that we have if we don't have clarity around why we're doing the work. Uh, so you know we've got to get to that component piece. And then the third one um, is that sometimes, and, and perhaps this happened in your situation, you know, oftentimes we move into a role following somebody else, good or bad. And that person uh, on their own style or their own nature may have condoned some behaviors uh, that now you as the next leader don't find appropriate for a learning environment. This is where the rubber meets the road for leadership. And I shared this with a group I was working with yesterday. Uh, It's my leadership rule number one. Whether you create it or you condone it, you own it. The easy part for a leader to do is to come in and condone. Turn a blind eye to stuff that you know is ineffective educational practice because you don't want to get in and have the conversation. You don't want to get involved in the growth plan that might have to emerge. But I got to tell you, if you condone it, it's now on you as the leader. Create's a lot harder. Create requires us to peel back the layers of the onion and get to what we say we're going to be all about and build out from there. But we've got to be willing when we step into a leadership role to be more creators than condoners. So I've got a couple of questions here. And especially on that, whether you create it or condone it, you own it. Having been in a building where I came in and condoned a lot of things, I was quickly termed to be the axe man, the hatchet man, the, you know, a lot of these things that, you know, don't make me feel too good. And how do you do that coming into a new environment without destroying people's morale and telling them that everything they've been doing for their whole careers is wrong? You know, and and, uh, boy, I I had that uh, almost identical situation shared with me yesterday, right? You walk into a situation that you and probably everybody inside knows um, is not, again, a conducive learning environment, but it's comfortable. Uh, You know, I, the analogy I gave yesterday was on a scale of one to 10, you know, we've got some schools that are functioning as a seven, right? Seven's good enough. Nobody ever complains about being a seven, you know, Collins work, you know, good is the enemy of great. Right? So, so there you are, you come in and you see a school that's a seven trending towards a six and you think, my goodness, I look at the talent level and this school could easily be a nine or a 10. Let's get cracking. Yeah. Now you're moving people out of their comfort zone, right? Here's the reality though. I don't think we can have schools anymore that are sevens trending to sixes. There are lives hanging in the balance. I think every school I've ever been in has the adult talent to be a nine or a 10. You know, the, the, the first step we take towards that is to get clarity on our purpose. There's some questions we can ask. You know, why did you become an educator? What do you believe? What do you hope to achieve? There is yet to be a teacher when I talk with them who doesn't mention uh, wanting to be a difference maker and doesn't mention kids in the first couple of sentences. All right, well, let's use that as our anchor. Let's start talking from there out. And now let's reflect on current practice. We have a profession that on some levels wants to remain largely unchanged, 
despite the world around us. You know, we've got 21st century kids being taught by 20th century adults using 19th century content on an 18th century calendar. And we wonder why there might be a little disconnect at times. Yeah. Right. We've got to be willing to break yeah. through some of that. So I've got to be able to sit down with you as the incoming leader to say, so what's your contributions, Jethro? What do you do? What don't you do? What are some of your beliefs? I think too often we don't spend enough time on getting purpose clarity. Right? And, and this, you know, sometimes has been framed around traditional mission statement work. Well, yeah, I was going to go there. Right. You know, you're, you're tapping into a pet peeve here. And you know what happens with traditional mission statement work far too often the purpose of creating the mission statement was to get everybody on the same page. Yep. Right. So, so we yeah. invite everybody to bring a $5 word. We wedge it in and, and it looks so good. You can't argue it, but it's not driving practice. It's not driving daily commitments, you know, and, and, and our mission statement looks remarkably similar to the mission statement, you know, five miles down the road. Yeah. All right. Then it's not speaking about what we believe that nobody can re recite or know or uh, engage in because it's all those five dollar words that don't make any sense right and you're talking about purpose that's not what you're talking about right you know when we get purpose clarity it drives every decision it liberates the dialogue in a school Uh, you know i can give you our purpose in the hiring process go back to the hiring process you just did I will take 10 minutes during the interview and slide across our purpose to you and say, hey, Jethro, knowing the skills you have, how do you see that aligning with what we believe to be our purpose here at XYZ School? And by the way, also feel free to tell us how your unique school set set might shape our purpose going forward because it's a static versus a living organic document. I want it to be breathing. I want our purpose to be clarified and owned by every adult we have in a school now, not from five years ago. And I want everyone to know when they come into our school, man, this is so obvious what this place is all about. They don't just talk about every kid. They don't just talk about success for all. There are so many demonstrations of it. And when we get to the hard parts, the clarity that emerges when you have purpose is this. When it gets really tough, we will turn to each other. If we do not have purpose clarity, when it gets really tough, we turn against each other. Yeah, I am just thinking about that for a minute because that is exactly what I have seen in many organizations yep. that I've worked in. And, you know, I one of the uh, more <laughs> touchy things is when we were doing a training for what would happen if there was an active shooter at our school, mm-hmm. my response was, how do we get all of the kids outside of school as fast as we can if the person is inside? Because that's all that matters is saving our kids' lives. And if that happens and all these kindergartners are running out into the neighborhood, even if we're in a tough neighborhood, the community is going to rally around and support those kids. When it gets tough, they're going to turn to each other because there's a tragedy. And that's what always happens in tragedies is that the community comes together, supports, everybody who's been affected by it and rallies around them. And, you know, I haven't thought about it like that before. And Tommy really opened my eyes to, to what that really means. And you can tell when it's working and when it's not, because when it gets tough, then you start turning on each other. And that means you're not clear about what you're doing. And yeah, it's awesome. Yep. That's the money question though. Those are the times. And I think far too often, 
you know, we do a lot of this construction work during times of relative calm, thinking about our easy to reach, easy to teach kids. Yeah. Listen, I want, and, and I've worked with schools now over the last two, three years. And for some schools, I got to tell you, Jethro, it's taken us over a year to get our purpose clarified. Not because we, we don't have some idea of what we believe, but because we begin to look and see what policies, procedures, practices we have in place, and they're completely misaligned with what we've said we're all about. You can't have, for example, a belief in all students and have penalty points on their academic progress and have zero as an earned mark and have, you know, uh, deletions every day for the work not coming in. That already starts to reshape what you meant by all. You meant most and only if they could meet certain demands. Well, that's not a reality. I, I was recently working with a group of a thousand educators. I asked these two questions. First question I said was, put your hand up if you've never been late to a faculty meeting. I know, right? <laughs> no, no hands went up. My second question was, put your hand up if you have got everything in on time that your leadership asked of you. And again, no hands went up. This is a highly skilled, highly qualified, very learned group of adults. And we can't hit it every time. And we would expect kids to. All right, let, let's talk about what it's really like for us. Because when I followed up and asked how many of them lost 20% on their next paycheck, my goodness, the fur hit yeah. the fin, right? <laughs> how unfair practice that would be, how it would never motivate them. I said, you're absolutely right. I don't think it motivates kids either. Why are we doing it? Well, because we need to teach them how to be responsible, Tom. Yeah. yeah. But you know what the real reason why we do it, Jethro? Tell me. For, for me, the crux of the debate is easy versus hard. That's right. I, I, I would challenge you and any of your listeners to think about the most ineffective practices you've ever witnessed in education. And I'm going to suggest this. Every one of them could go under a one-word heading, and that one word would be easy. We don't do it because it works. We don't do it because it's effective. We do it because it's easy. It is much easier to give a kid a zero than to find out their current state and employ the most important three-letter word in education, Y-E-T, and help them get there. Right? It's much easier. It's much easier to work alone than it is to collaborate. It's much easier to have an extended summer break than it is to address the needs of our learners. It's much easier to have a kid go back and do grade seven a second time because we don't know what to do with a kid who's in grade seven and a half. You know, we can go through just about anything you can identify as ineffective in education, and it's going to come under that one word heading of easy. We got to get to the hard stuff. We got to be willing to roll up our sleeves, get messy, struggle a little bit, appear at times to be going backwards before we begin to make the kinds of progress we need in order to service 100% of our kids. Yeah, I'm I'm inspired, Tom. Seriously. <laughs> this is great. As we're looking at those things, one of the things that you said earlier is that as I as you go in as a new leader to a school, you've got to give people opportunity to ask you also what you believe in and, and what your values are as well. But when do we when do we find time to have these conversations and and how do we how do we structure them and I think I know what you're going to say, but I, I want to hear you lay it out so that we can get over that fear of having a hundred more meetings that aren't about the actual work getting done. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know what, uh, Jethro, probably the number one question I get asked when I work with folks is, is where are we going to find time? And my answer is always the same. 
That's a very simple answer. The answer is you won't. Uh, because if you could have found time already, wouldn't you have done it? Exactly. Right? So, you know, all these things we talk about, nobody disagrees that they're important. So if we could find time, we would have. Here's the reality, though. We make time for what we really believe. You know, oftentimes I'll get teachers say to me, listen, Tom, I believe everything you're saying. I understand the need to be more positive, the, you know, the need to reflect when kids are doing stuff really well. But my class is so packed. I barely have enough time to get through the content, let alone take time to say, wow, Jethro, I really appreciate how you came to class prepared today and are firing on all cylinders. You've made a delightful contribution. Thanks for being here. All right, I'm going to buy that, that you don't have time. But let me ask you this question then. What do you do when Jethro misbehaves? Because I'm going to assume, based on what you've just told me, you equally don't have time to acknowledge his misbehavior. But remarkably, you know what happens. We engage the child, and if the child pushes us back at all, we're quite prepared to get to an escalation. We're quite prepared to lose instructional time as we escort the kid down to the office. You didn't have any more time for that, but you somehow made it happen. Yeah. So we've got to make time for what we believe to be essential. Now, let's be clear. Anything any educator has ever done effectively, the first time they did it, it took a lot of time. But when they got it cooking, they got time back at the other end, right? Good instruction takes time. Good assessment takes time. Good collaboration takes time. But the corollary is even worse. Bad assessment, bad instruction, bad collaboration takes even more time. And it's always reactive time. You know, the single biggest waste of time today in education is what I call chase time. And chase time is that time we spend reacting after the fact, trying to remediate after the fact, trying to go back now and pull apart the threads. I mean, I bet there's a chunk of your day that is spent trying to resolve conflicts that occurred earlier in the day that had somebody taken the responsibility to deal with it in the moment, might have taken two minutes up front, is now taking you 20 minutes at the tail end, and you're not through it yet. Yeah, you got that right. Right? Chase time doesn't work. Upfront time, as precious as it is, will yield much better, longer-term benefits. Again, I go back to the role of parenting. You know, you did your best parenting, you and your wife, before your child entered school. Those are the lessons your children carry forward, right? You can't start parenting when they hit 14. Yeah, absolutely. You know, as a father myself, when I think about that, like, I, I need to be doing things right now at whatever age my kids are to prepare them for what's happening later. And it can sometimes, it can sometimes be overwhelming, but that's my job as a parent, you know, and I've got to put the time in now to to hope they turn out how, how I want them to, you know, that's my only hope to get them to turn out the way I want them to. Exactly. Right. You know, I happen to be parent. uh, You know, my wife and I have three grown children. Our kids are, are 34, 32 and 29. You know what the best part is when they all get together? actually love being around each other yeah they're all married now they each have two kids they can't imagine anything more than being with each other and having their kids be with each other all right that's when my wife and i kind of look at each other and it's kind of thumbs up right the stuff that you did early on that you invested lots of time in that you made some sacrifices around you know it meant you couldn't do some things that you may have wanted to do in the adult world but by golly it paid off yeah absolutely different in our schools 
right? You, you got to get to those kids early. You got to start to build those connections. Right? The more time you spend with kids in a positive, the less time it ends up being that you only see them in a negative. Yeah, so true. Uh, Tom, I think we could probably talk for at least two or three, maybe seven more hours. because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm loving our conversation. I respect your time. I want to go ahead and close up, but I want to ask you my final question, which is, what is one thing a principal can start doing this week to be a transformative principal like you? I think, you know, one, one of the, the, the simplest things that goes right back to the first word I use is, is to ensure that the relationships you have are healthy and positive. You know, being positive doesn't guarantee a result, but being negative sure does. Let's focus on being positive. Let's focus on what we believe to be the best in our educational uh, colleagues the best in our students, the best in our parent support network, the best in our community. Um, will you get disappointed periodically? Yep. But I got to tell you, again, being positive sure beats the heck out of being negative. That is so true. Tom, how can people uh, find more from you, learn more about you? I've got a link to your website and your book in the show notes. Yep. How else can they get a hold of you? Twitter is just at T-H-I-E-R-C-K. T-H-I-E-R-C-K. Uh, Facebook is just Tom Hirk. Um, and then you've got the, uh, the website, TomHirk.com and then just T Hirk at Gmail. And I welcome the opportunity to connect. Uh, you know, as I said, uh, early on, uh, I'm a work in progress. I got lots more learning to do and I uh, value the opportunity to connect with colleagues, uh, across uh, our great countries. I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I did. Please be sure to, uh, check out the first episode of this and then also the transformative leadership summit where tom talked more about the clarity of purpose and you're going to really enjoy it and uh, thank you so much for listening to the transformative principle podcast have a wonderful week transformative principle is a proud member of the education podcast network podcasts for educators by educators visit edupodcastnetwork.com for more great podcasts Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE.